Vermont Viewpoint is a public affairs program produced and funded by WDEV and the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to vtviewpoint at radiovermont.com. Good morning. It's Brad Perlin, your Monday host for Vermont Viewpoint here at WDEV in historic downtown Waterbury. Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, we have a great show today. We are going to be talking with Erica Hayes and her dad, Ron Fry. They are the new owners of the Cambridge Market, Ron and Ron Fry and his wife, Linda. And they bought the market, and about three or four days later, the rains came. Uh, and the rains came, and the rains came, and uh, the market got flooded. And we're going to just talk to her about how... Uh, they're handling the adversity of, of that. And, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this morning in the first half hour about how, uh, Vermonters help Vermonters. Uh, and in my second segment at 10 o'clock, uh, no stranger to the airwaves, uh, Pat McDonald is my guest. And Pat, uh, does Vermont Viewpoint two days a week, uh, and, just turned 80 years old and has been involved in state government for decades and uh real fabric of Vermont and we're going to we're going to take a spin with Pat and uh, sort of this is your life Pat McDonald and uh, learn a little bit more about her uh and her journey in life and her work ethic and all the things that she's done to help Vermont uh it was a Nice weekend out there. I, uh, this morning, typical morning for me, I got up and, uh, let our Norwegian elk hounds out and, and, uh, they like to romp around the yard a little bit. And then I had to bring some hay in from one barn to, to our sheep. And, uh, I didn't let them out to pasture this morning because when I'm not around, uh, they have a tendency to, have the grasses greener on the other side of the fence. And <laughs> once in a while, I get a call from neighbors and they go, Hey, your sheep are out. And of course, our sheep think that any yard is their yard. They just, they like to uh, venture out. Uh, yesterday I did, uh, go up to East Fairfield, which is a beautiful part of Vermont. It's a farming community, uh, a lot of farming heritage there but in east fairfield once a year is the jig in the valley and uh hundreds of people were there with uh, their lawn chairs and they're listening to a lot of the musicians that are on the wall here at wdev um playing playing music uh, names you'd recognize uh rusty bucket the dale and darcy band Cohen, Rowell, and Lewis are my old friend Danny Cohn, who was uh, part of the Throbulators, of course, and uh, Tyrone Shaw was there. Christine Malcolm from uh, Elmore uh, was playing with Kate Brooke, uh, Romp, uh, New Orleans Piano Virtuoso, Galen Cassidy, uh, and uh, Pieria and his band, Nobby Reed Project, and uh, Joe Moore finished it up with his incredible saxophone playing. So in Little East Fairfield, there was a lot of uh, great music going on. Uh, you, you probably know uh, 
my producer today is Greg Titus on the other side of the glass. You probably know a lot of those musicians. Or I was just going to say, so in our home, Throbulate. So obviously, Danny <laughs> Danny Cohn and the Throbulators. When, when I when I worked here at the station, the first stint, uh, like seventy seven to eighty four, they were on Vermont Live quite frequently. Our oldest son, he he had a habit of in his crib he would. He would be on his, he'd have his hands out and then he'd have his butt up in the air and he would rock back and forth. And we called that throbulating because <laughs> we thought that perfectly fit the sound of Danny, of Danny and the throbulators. So, but yeah, that, that was a great, great lineup that, that you just listed. Oh, it was amazing. And they just back to back and, uh, Andre McCara, who is, uh, a pretty amazing musician in his own right, guitar player from 8084. He was doing the sound for them, and uh, it was just quite incredible. And of course, the, it wasn't raining, so that was a nice thing. And <laughs> well, I think I think what's nice about and, and there are, there have been a lot of different musical groups who have been pitching in to try to help out. And the thing is, it goes from like this level, and if you think about it, to be able to gather all those musicians in East Fairfield is pretty cool. But then you've got uh, uh, like a fish; they're doing a pair of benefit shows at the SPAC. I think it's. Um, I want to say I think it's August fifteenth and sixteenth. Uh, Noah, Noah, uh, Noah Han or Noah. Okay, Noah Han is someone completely different. Uh, but but I know there's a uh, there's a Vermont or uh, there, there's someone with, with Vermont connections who's working out uh, who's doing a benefit show out in uh, out in Colorado. So yeah, it's just it's really nice to see folks pitching in, and uh, I, I think it's sort of. Uh, I think it's sort of typical of what we see in Vermont is that when someone's in trouble, uh, you try to lend a helping hand whenever possible. Yeah, and uh, I want to segue to that. Thanks for saying it that way, Greg. Um, I was uh, in my early youth. We had tragedy in the family. Uh, my dad died when I was eight and uh, from suicide. We lived in rural Colchester on a, you know, sort of a, dirt road uh in colchester and i remember uh when he when he died i don't know if it was the day of the funeral or not it's a little bit of a blur but cars started coming up the road and uh parking and it, they went all the way down sort of our dirt road and they went all the way out on the on the main road and people started showing up and the the dining room table got pushed to the wall and there was Ham and turkey and cookies and brownies and you name it. And it was people that I didn't know, um, just showing up and being, you know, they sort of coming in quietly paying their condolences and then, and then moving along. And it was so remarkable. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I bet, I bet. You didn't know a lot of those people. They probably weren't like specifically friends of the family. But hey, when people hear about someone struggling, they reach out. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, there are stories of the old Vermont way where the, you know, the the farmers in the area they didn't they didn't necessarily know each other or socialize. But if something happened, you know, an apple pie would show up at the oh, door yeah. Yeah. or a little bit of maple syrup or or something. And and it wasn't like. Hey, I did this for you. It was like, d don't even notice. <laughs> I know, and, and, and the, what you describe is perfect. It's folks is like, so I'm not doing this because I want everyone to see. Hey, look at me. I'm helping this person out. It's like, 
very, very quietly on the sly. Okay, here's again, and and, and people reach out and, and and they do what they can, and uh, they give folks what they need. And I think that's something really important for people t- to remember as we continue this recovery from the flood. Um, I, I know that the uh, that the vast majority of people want to help out. Anything helps. You know, right. uh, again, you, you, you may say, well, God, I don't want to get down in the muck and do that. Okay, that's fine. You don't need to do that. But there's, I'm sure there's something else that you can do. You can donate stuff. You can get a different task. But, uh, yeah, uh, there are always, there are always different ways to help. To me, what, what epitomizes that in Vermont, if you look, uh, if you look, if you look at our local, our fire and, and EMT services, those are volunteers for yeah. the most part. Um, and, uh, you know, it's uh, it's people who are uh, willing to dedicate, you know, a, a few hours of the week. And, uh, you know, they're not looking for money. They're not looking for recognition. They're just looking to help. Yeah, for sure. And I want to open up the phone lines. If you've got a story of someone who sort of came in quietly and helped you, we're at 802-244-1777. Who are the... The quiet heroes who made a big difference in your life. Did they, you know, did they come by? Did they shovel your, your driveway on that storm because you couldn't get out or, you know, all these things that happen in Vermont that we, you know, we really love with all the adversity that goes on there. We, to, this morning is about goodness. And when we talk with, uh, uh, Erica a little bit later in the show, you know, the Cambridge market, when I was, I drove to Stowe about two weeks ago and then came over the notch and drove, came into a Cambridge area. And seeing the Cambridge store, there were all sorts of people, not only the Cambridge store, but across the road, all of the houses, the doors were open. There were chairs and, and all of this stuff out on the road that had been ruined by water. The, the cornfields, uh, were decimated. I had never seen anything like it in my life where the, the stocks were knocked down. It was this pale green, uh, just didn't even look like corn. And I'm talking acres and acres, not just, you know, a little bit. And then on the other side of the road, lush, bright green corn that hadn't been touched. It's sort of like, where does where does the universe decide that you're going to get wiped out and you're going to prosper kind of thing it's a, it's a big question right yeah and it's and again it's and we've all been driving around the state since the floods hit i know i went through montpelier a couple of times last week and you 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 read about it and you even you you even see that you even see the news coverage you know you you see the stories that the different uh local stations are doing but when you're actually standing there at uh, uh, at the at the top of uh, at, at the top of Main Street and just looking down through the downtown, and again, this was like ten days after the flood, still piles of debris, uh, still uh, again that silt all over the place, and yeah, you just really shake your head and wonder. Uh, it's quite a uh, it's it's quite a long cleanup process we're facing, and I know there are a lot of folks in Montpelier who are questioning whether or not they want to come back. Yeah, I know. It's a very sad thing. Uh, this is Vermont Viewpoint, WDEV. Uh, your host, Brad Furlan. My, uh, producer is Greg Titus. Uh, we're talking this morning about, uh, Vermont and Vermonters, how people help out and, uh, swoop in when you really need it. I'm reminded, um, my mom was single mom, as I mentioned earlier, and, uh, 
was, oh, you know, it seemed always struggling financially. And I don't know the circumstances. I was kind of young, but I remember a, a letter showing up, you know, when there were letters in the mail, when we actually had that happen. Um, and there was a check in, in the, uh, letter for a thousand dollars from a woman friend who, uh, the note to my mom said, um, I hear you're struggling a bit. I hope this helps, you know, out of the blue. And, you know, my mother just started bawling because it was this, you know, mercy angel kind of act. Uh, are there acts like that in your life? Uh, give us a call. 802-244-1777. Did somebody step into a phone booth and come out in a different uh, outfit and uh, help help you out in life uh with greg were there times that that you saw some some you know uh superheroes flying in um i've been i, I i've been i've been relatively fortunate i would say that for me that uh, uh probably uh, probably my superheroes have, have been with my family right because uh we always sort of uh uh, we, we always sort of reach out and, uh, and, and we support each other. I, I, I mean, I, I've been lucky. Uh, I'm, I'm from here originally and then, uh, my father was Navy. I was all over the place. I, I came back here on a, when I was 19 with absolutely no intention of staying here. And it's now been 47 years. <laughs> so, <laughs> temporarily. Yeah, yeah, temporarily. I'm still, I, I, I think I may hang around here. I may, I, I may make that, I, I may make that choice. But no, I, I, I'm just always what, what, what I enjoy about living here. It's just it's the basic it's the basic kindness of people and it's uh and I've been really fortunate. This is a small state and I've done a lot of different things. And what I like, I can go I can go to a basketball gym anywhere in the state in the winter, regardless of where it is, and I guarantee you I will know a couple people whenever I walk into that gym. And that's what Vermont is like. It's a small state, um, and if uh, and if you're if you're open if you're open you're going to meet all sorts of different people, all sorts of different opinions. It, it seems to me that the um, that the tone of of uh, of of debate in general in the state it's a little more uh, uh, it's a little more courteous than maybe we're seeing in other parts of the country. Uh, but but again, I, I think where I think where Vermonters really sort of show their stripes, so to speak, is when we're facing uh, a, a situation. Uh, like we have right now, but I love that story what you talked about with your mother. I mean, a thousand dollars out of the blue—that just had to absolutely be the uh, be the nicest thing that anyone could have done for her at that point in time. Yeah, and back in those days, a thousand dollars was like ten thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know? it makes it makes a big difference. And and that's you know the other thing that the other thing that folks are facing here, and and uh, we're very fortunate where we live in Waitsfield. Uh, Waitsfield was pretty much unscathed this time through. But I've talked with people who are dealing with flood damage, and what they're finding out is that it's a it's a slow, painful process, and the amount of money that they're hearing that they may possibly be getting uh, from from FEMA or, or from the state, uh, it's just uh, it's not really enough to cover the cost. Yeah, and we'll hear more about that with Erica. She was telling me off air uh, a little bit that uh, you know they're going to have pretty major debts. A lot of equipment. I know that um, you know many businesses. A friend of mine in uh, in Montpelier has. The flower shop there and their compressors and their coolers and all these things were ruined. And these are big ticket items. And it's, it's also, so in terms of the help being offered to businesses, 
a lot of them are saying, okay, it's great, it's great that like the small business administration or disaster assistance that they're offering loans, but we, we, we can't afford to pay off a loan right now. Right, right. <laughs> you know, we can't take on any more debt. And, and I leap immediately, uh, I know this was mentioned, and there, there were a couple stories about this last week. So this burgeoning cannabis industry that we have here in the state of Vermont, because it's still illegal federally, um, the, the, their options, their, the, I mean, they're not going to get any money from FEMA. That, that, that's not happening. Because, because it's not legal. And you're talking about, um, obviously the, uh, the dispensary owners, but also a lot of these growers. I mean, they've lost most or all of their, of their entire crop. Wow. Yeah. So, um, I know that, um, so, so for them, that's, for them, it boils down to locals, right? What, what they can get. I know, and, and there's, and the other thing, which when we talk about people helping people, how many, how many of these local fundraisers have cropped up? Montpelier Alive is handing out grants. I know, but Barry has a couple different things going on. Um, and to me, that's, that's, that's really, that's really important and special because what these people are offering is just what the business owners need. We need money. Yeah, we need some cash right now. Yeah, and, and, and folks are really trying to do their best to uh, make that uh, come to fruition. Well, it's it's going to be millions and millions and millions of dollars, and there's urgency, right? You've got to get the lights on. You got to get the cleanup done. You've got all these things, and you know when you buy a grocery store that works on a margin of about two cents or three cents on the dollar, you're not looking at you know like. Big windfall. Right. It's a, it's a long process. And when you add, like you said, if they have to take out loans to, to sustain, hard to know, you know, can you make it or not? And I think maybe the way to think of these business owners, um, I think most of us or many of us as adults have, have been through a time in their lives where it was literally, it was paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. You know, you weren't, you weren't saving any money and you were praying that nothing bad happened. Right. Because, because you knew that what, what, what little cash reserves you may have had, that it was going to punish them. And, and that's where these business owners are. It's like you said, if you're on a margin of 2% and anything goes out of the ordinary, um, you're, you're really, really in a hard place. Yeah. It's funny you mention about the, you know, unanticipated uh, expenses. Two weeks ago when I was driving here from St. Albans in my uh, Toyota Highlander, I started losing power. And I didn't know if I was going to make it to Waterbury or not. And I would get some traction and I'd get, then I'd go 40 miles an hour up a hill. And <laughs> it was awful. And yeah. then I leave here and I head right to the Toyota dealer in, in St. Albans and, uh, the next day get the call and they go, we got, you know, your transmission's shot. Ugh. And I'm like, oh my God. But they said there is good news because what, when I bought the car, uh, against everyone's advice, I took out some insurance. You took out, okay, yeah. And, uh, lo and behold, they said, boy, you're lucky. You're just under the mileage for it and it's going to cover. And this is like about an eight to nine thousand dollar job. Oh, that's incredibly expensive. And I had to pay a hundred dollars when I picked up the car. Yeah. That's, a, that's, that's the perfect trade off, right? It, it's just like, <laughs> oh, thank God, you yeah, know? Yeah. yeah. I had a, so I had a, um, uh, the first, uh, the first Subaru I bought, um, I lost the, uh, I lost the transmission. I was about 500 miles in, but 
it got it got replaced. Uh, the dealership, and I'll mention them by name since I, I think folks have heard it. It was Twin City Subaru back then, 802 Subaru. Uh, they replaced it, no charge. They gave me a loaner. Uh, they ended up giving me, they threw in an extended, one of these super special extended warranties, which normally cost a bunch of money. So, again, was I happy that the transmission went away that quickly? No, but... Did I go back and buy? So we're now on our fifth Forester, and it's basically because they took such good care of us when we had the problem with that first one. Uh, cars are complicated. Yeah, they <laughs> there's, are. There's a lot of different parts, but uh, all I look for from folks that I do business with is that is that if there's a problem, they fix it. So. Yeah, nobody lets me under the hood. I can tell you that. Oh no, uh, no. It, it's, <laughs> so have you done this? So. Something's wrong with your car. You get out and you open up the hood and you look at the engine. Yeah. Why I do that, I don't know. Because and all I want, I want to see the engine there. Right. But, but after that, after that, I'm lost. And then two other men come and stand near you and they, and they look too. And, and <laughs> their hands sort of got their hands yeah. in their pockets and they're looking at it. Like, oh, well, well, the engine's there. I can't really see what the problem is. Yeah. That's why, that's why we pay our, that's why we pay our mechanics so much good money to fix this stuff. And you got to be a computer technician. To, yeah. be a, a, to, to be a mechanic now. Yeah, and it was a master technician that worked on my car. And, and I have to say, same experience that you had uh, with, with the Toyota dealer in, in uh, St. Albans. They were just wonderful. You yeah. know, yeah. they really advocate for you, and uh, it's it's a good story, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, so there are, there are good stories out there. We're going to be talking with the owners of the Cambridge market and uh, sort of how they've dealt with, uh, you know, they're probably a little bit still in shock, I'm guessing, yep. but uh, they're, they're persevering. And, and what I was, what I've been hearing around Vermont is, is people who even in Southern Vermont, a store was about to open. They had worked on this building for a whole year and they were just about to open and, and it got flooded and they were, it was a young couple and they were ready to quit, right? They were like, this is crazy. Yeah. And yet the community came in and started helping them. And the, the woman I read said, we haven't even made them a, a sandwich yet. And they're helping <laughs> us out. It was such a beautiful thing. Yeah. So, uh, it'll be free sandwiches for the entire community, I'm sure, because those folks appreciate all the help. One other quick way you can help out businesses buy gift cards. Ah, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, again, uh, they, they may they may not be open, but uh, uh, they can still uh, they can still sell stuff. And again, you would really, really help them out if you could just head up to their site and if you could uh, pick up a gift card because every little dollar helps these folks. Yeah, it's cash flow, and uh, you 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 know it's uh, helping out your community. Uh, this is Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV in Waterbury. I'm your host. I'm your Monday host, Brad Furlan. Across the glass is Greg Titus helping me out this morning. And we will be back with the owners of Cambridge Market after this. Good morning. It's Brad Furlan. Your host on Vermont Viewpoint here at WDEV in Waterbury, Vermont. My uh, producer is Greg Titus through the glass. And on the lines, uh, I have uh, Erica Hayes, uh, who is uh, involved with uh, Cambridge Market. Welcome to the show. Hi, Brad. How are you? I'm very well. How are you, Erica? 
good. I also have uh, my stepdad here, Ron Fry, as well. Okay. Yeah, welcome, Ron. Uh, I, um, thank you both for taking the time. I know you you probably have a thousand to-do list notes, and uh, it, it's nice that you join us on the air, so I appreciate that. Oh, no, we appreciate you reaching out. Yeah, so... Um, Let's, if we can start with, uh, Cambridge Market, and then I know that you've got other businesses and stuff we want to talk about, but you, you became, uh, the, the new owners of the Cambridge store. Probably incredibly exciting to, to, uh, it's a beautiful store and serves the community. And I've stopped in there many times when I go hiking. I pick up some of the delicious cookies and, uh, fruit and stuff like that. And, uh the rains came uh can you can you walk us through that a little bit sure um, my my wife Linda and I live in Westford and we were driving to the store that morning and I was just noticing that even the ditches along uh, the roads coming here weren't even they didn't they didn't have any water in them by the time we got here about five o'clock in the morning I could see the river on the other side of the road and it crept up slowly all morning long and then around noon all of a sudden just kind of happened all at once it just it just came up quickly at that point and um once it once it started pouring into our basement i i knew we were you know no pun intended here but we were dead in the water at that point wow and was it 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 actually came to the main floor and in into the store as well it did not uh our basement is about eight and a half feet tall and it touched the bottom of the floor uh, Joyce downstairs. So we didn't actually get any upstairs, but all the electrical and most of the refrigeration units are downstairs. You know, the compressors. Right. So they all obviously ceased to function. Wow. Wow. It was enough to ruin the, the main floor though, the floor itself. Got it. Yeah. The, all the moisture downstairs is seeping up through and, and creeping up through all the wood and such. And, you know, I did a little research on the store. This is not something that got built yesterday. This has been in existence for like 150 years. Is that right? It was, it was built in 1850, to the best of our knowledge. Wow. And as far as we can tell, this is only the second time it's flooded in that history. And, of course, it was 1927 when we had the catastrophic flood. That uh, it, was, it was actually three feet deeper in 27 than it was this year. Oh my goodness. Wow. Uh, that's quite amazing. Um, so I did, I read when it happened and I was, you, you, uh, were so generous and, and really maybe had not much choice, but you just, you kind of opened food to the community right away because it was going to spoil. Uh, yeah. Well, like I said, once, once the basement started to flood, we, we knew we were done. Um, we knew everything was going to be down, all the refrigeration, all the freezing. And we happened to have a couple people here, uh, two of them with pickup trucks. And we made a decision right away to get all the, the fresh product out, all the, all the fresh meat and such. And um, what we did is we filled the pickup trucks with ice from our ice bin and put in all the meat and dairy and such that we could fit in the trucks. And we, uh, we drove them over to uh, our restaurant in Fairfax, Erica's. And uh, Erica put word out there on Facebook that there is this free food for people to come and get and, they did it, and then the next day, when we were able to get back into the store, um, all the freezers were still plenty cold, and we knew we wouldn't have any power to them. So, once again, we went to Facebook, opened it up, um, to have people come and grab all the all the frozen foods they could get. 
Wow. We were able to probably give away maybe 95% of our frozen stuff before uh, it started to, to thaw too much. That's amazing. And at that point, could they, could people drive through Cambridge? Could you, could you get to the store readily or? Yeah, you, you could. Uh, the road, the road was passable by morning, uh, certainly. But I mean, anybody that came here or anybody that has driven the road, uh, knows what it was like, you know, not only in Cambridge, but certainly up in, uh, Morrisville and Johnson. And it was just, just terrible. Yeah, I was saying earlier on the air that I drove through, uh, you know, r- soon after the event and the cornfields. I've never, you know, I'm a lifelong Vermonter. I've never seen corn decimated the way it was, uh, in the area. The acres and acres of it just mashed down. It didn't, wouldn't even know it was a cornfield. It was horrible. Well, corn, corn grows best down the river bottom. So obviously that's, that was the majority of the crops down there. Yeah. But you're right. It wasn't like two or three inches sitting in these fields. It was feet of water. Yeah. So it's it's really, I mean, heartbreaking. And yet you did, the community kind of, or not kind of, it, it appeared that they stepped in and, and helped. And not only in your store, but it seemed out on the street, people were helping people and that kind of thing. Is that, is that what was happening? Yeah, and I mean, they, they helped not only, you know, physically helping the cleanup, but, um, I do want to add, there were a lot of people when we were giving away the food, um, a lot of people gave donations, um, which was, which was awesome. And, and actually a quick little shout out to Stephanie at Glitz, um, the business right next to us, she was the one that put out the idea of, of donations. So if people had the option or, you know, if, if they were able to donate, um, so we were able to, you know, recruit a, a very small percentage of it, but it was better than better than nothing, absolutely. So people in the whole community have just been amazing. We had about 25 people show up the day after, and maybe it was actually two days after. Once things, once we got the water out of the basement, um, there was probably like a foot left. They cleaned out the entire basement with us. It took. In three hours to get it done, what would have taken us probably months to do. So um, they, and then right after helping us, they they went right across the road and started helping the community. That, that's our grandson here. Sorry. <laughs> well, this is um, it. Speaks to you know your your life and your world, uh, and I'm so grateful that you came on the show today. You not only run businesses, your family, and, and all of that. It's just uh, so I, I appreciate that. Uh, maybe this is a future generation owner of a, a store in one of our small communities. Who knows? That, that's, that's what we're hoping. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's busy stocking the lemons and limes, but he got a little bit. A little bit of it, so <laughs> he's all of three. Yeah. Uh, um, so what did it look like going into a basement? What? You said, you know, a three-hour cleanup. What were people doing? What's the what's the labor around that? We had a lot of uh, a lot of backstock down there, a lot of dry goods, as well as uh, we had a ten by ten freezer that was absolutely full of product that obviously submerged. And we also do our our cans and bottles. We're a recycling center here, so we had a lot of uh, things down there. Uh, you know, uh, bags and bags of cans and bottles and such that all were floating the uh the community literally it was 
it was like a chain of people. So one person would hand it, and then they just hand it off all the way through the basement, up the stairs, and into the dumpster. Wow. So no one actually had, there were so many people that were here to help us that very few people had to actually, like, move with heavy objects. They literally just handed it to the next person. Um, so it was just like this giant chain. And like I said, you know, it would have taken us months to clean it out. And it took three hours, three to four hours, just because of all of the help. And um, we were able to clean out the entire basement. And actually, I, in, in lieu of, um, in addition to that, I would like to thank uh, Myers Recycling. We had ordered a 30-yard dumpster. And about an hour into it, we realized that that 30-yard dumpster was not going to hold everything. We called over to see if we could get another dumpster while we had all the volunteers, and we were told it would be the next day. Well, about 30 minutes later, the owner showed up with a dumpster for us. So the owner of, of Myers wow. came in and uh, brought us a second dumpster. And so we filled half of that one. So we had 45 yards of, of things we had to get rid of out of the basement. That is amazing. We're talking with Erica Hayes and Ron Fry. Ron and his wife Linda are owners, new owners of Cambridge Market. They bought the market and, uh, the rains came. The animals were lining up two by two and, uh, it was, uh, not, not, not the way you, you had hoped. And, uh, you talked, uh, about the, what, is in the old days was called the bucket brigade with people lining up and uh, they would you know hand the bucket of water to put fires out. Yep. Um, so what um, did you know many of the people? You were sort of new to the community, or who, were these strangers just kind of swooping in? What was that? To answer your question, yes, um, there were some family members, some friends, and some people we had never even met before. Wow. And, uh, and certainly some staff members as well. Yeah. So, like I said, we just put the word out there, and, you know, Thursday morning, everybody showed up. And we had, you know, it was just, just incredible. It was just, you know, the, the outpouring of the community. And, I mean, not just for this cleanup, but people have stopped by, and and just it's been really overwhelming. Um, I, I say that we owned the place for three and a half weeks before uh, before it was flooded, and, the you know, the previous owner was here for 31 years, and he never even got a wet basement. Wow. It was just, uh, just terrible timing as far as that goes for us. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. for the community in general, obviously. Well, you're a huge part of Cambridge and of, you know, Lamoille County, really. You're on a, a thoroughfare that is quite busy. I would stop there and buy gas uh, occasionally because it was, and then grab cookies and stuff like that. Uh, so, you know, I, I love your store. So yeah. we're, where are things at now? Are you are you fully operating, or are you getting close, or where are you? Um, so we are, I'd say, about 80 to 85%. Um, we're definitely still waiting on some bigger um, items to be fixed, like our three walk-in, or our three freezers, uh, a door freezer and two walk-in freezers. Um, that's just a matter of getting uh, the parts, um, the condensers and stuff like that. Um, we had an electrician come and he was here with his, um, colleague for a solid 10 days, just getting us back up and going. Um, we had a friend come that was a plumber and do our hot water tanks. Um, we've just been really, really grateful for 
how many people were able to be here so quickly and get everything up and going. So right now we're running basically on no back stock. So anything that we need, we have to order on our delivery days and bake it or cook it or put it out right away. So um, to the to the public, we're back up. You know, it looks like we're back up 100%, um, but we are we got some things kind of behind the scenes that still need to be taken care of. But that was our biggest priority was getting everything back to the public as quickly as possible and just really getting back on our feet to just immediately try and start recouping some of these costs. Right, um, and getting a little bit of a cash flow going again. Absolutely. And are you finding that people are are coming back and coming in? Are, are the is the customer base big, or is it are people tentative about you know just doing anything? Yeah, I mean, we never the the people coming through the door actually never stopped, um, which was awesome. We stayed open. I mean, in the dark with with lights, very few lights running on generators um, just to try and keep that cash flow going with the non-perishables like canned goods and stuff. And people, the community would come in and they were buying things for people in need and they were um, donating money. So we were turning around and putting that into uh, the kind of like the donation cart that we had. Um, we had people stocking up the local food shelves. So it's it's been somewhat of a consistent um, flow through the door, um, and we're hoping in the weeks and months to come that we can really become a, a grocery store for these people <clears throat> so they're not going out of town. And so, um, you know, we're looking into putting a ramp in the front because um, you've, uh, you've been here before. We have, we, have a couple, we have a couple steps so people can't take grocery carts out. So we're, we're looking to improve a few things to actually become like a full-blown grocery store to be able to um, do that for the community. Well, and buying local, of course, is a mantra uh, that we really support. And so fundraising for the store, there I know there's been a lot of efforts around the state to raise money for entities that have had losses. Is there a direct way that people can support you right now? So um, the Spanked Puppy, another local business, had he's created a GoFundMe for us, um, which was amazing, and we, we did not expect it by any means. Um, but he has come into Erica's Diner a lot, especially during the COVID times, and um, he really supported us, and he reached out to me, and, and he created one, and we're very grateful. So that is on our Facebook um, but we're also doing T-shirt fundraisers. Um, the T-shirt that we created has our logo on the front of it, and on the back of it, it says, um, Mother Nature is tough, but so are we, flood of 2023. And then it says 802 strong. Um, so we're selling those for pre-order. They should be here in the next week or so. Um, those That is also on our Facebook page, the link is. So we are anything above and beyond the cost of the shirt, we're just putting right back into our account to try and pay off these bills and, and pay to have our store restocked. Um, we've had a lot of people, an overwhelming amount of people come in and literally just hand us cash, which is nothing that we had ever asked for. And it's just, they just want us to get back on our feet and, and get back to normal and so that they can have their grocery store back. 
Yeah, my producer Greg Titus and I were talking about that earlier. That just the the helping heroes, the angels that kind of come into our lives. It, it it's a beautiful part of life for sure. It really is, and it's. It, I mean, it's very overwhelming because the last thing we ever wanted to do was ask for help. Um, but <laughs> buying the store through and you know putting everything that we had into it that Ron and Linda had. Um, even taking money from other businesses just to, you know, pay for the down payment. And then three weeks later, finding out that in order to get back on your feet, you need to dump another quarter of a million dollars into it um, was definitely uh, overwhelming. We still didn't want to ask for anything because that's just not who any of us are. Um, but it came kind of down to the point where we – we we did we do really need help, um, and we are looking into the state state options, the SBA, and everything like that. So we have no doubt in our mind that we will get through it. But there was no way that we could could have possibly even thought about it without the community, the businesses, and the people. Well, I um, bought I pre-ordered a T-shirt because I love T-shirts and I love the language you put on it. It's a great shirt. So. If people want to help the Cambridge market, they're not asking for help, but, uh, we can swoop in and buy t-shirts and you can shop at the store. I love the fact that you're, you know, going to try to even improve the sort of the grocery part of it. And I'll remind listeners that, um, you know, when, when stores like this or, uh, businesses, they pay for their inventory up front most of the time. You know, when it comes through the door, they write a check and, it really is, uh, it's not easy. And, and yet they show up at five in the morning. They open up. They're there for your hot coffee, your donuts, your cookies and all of that. And Erica, I know you've, you know, you, you've, uh, served a little hash and eggs in your day too, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, Ron was actually the cook and, and, and my mom and I, Linda and I were the, the servers. So we served it. He cooked it. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a great restaurant in Fairfax. If you haven't been to Erica's, uh, if, if you want the hometown feel, that's a, a, the place to go. And, and you also have a couple other businesses in Milton. Is that right? We have, uh, two convenience stores there. Uh, we have Fry Deli, which used to be called the Dam Store. And then we have, uh, Uncle Ronnie's, which was Milton Beverage. Uh, we've had one of them two years and the other, I think about seven years now. All right. I didn't realize it was the dam store. That's a great, a great little store as well. And, um, so do you sleep either of you ever or you just sort of? <laughs> Not as much as we'd like to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm also a sugar maker. Wow. So yeah, you know, in, in the spring, uh, Eric and Linda really have to pick up my slack because, because I'm busy doing that. Amazing. Um, <laughs> it's a family effort no matter what we do. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, I hear around, uh, that getting help is, is a challenge these days. Uh, how do you sort of deal with that and overcome that challenge? Well, challenge is, is, is a mild way of putting it. Uh, there's just a total lack of, of help in general. And I, it's not just, not just us. It's not just Vermont. I think it's nationwide. And how we put up with it or how we deal with it is we just, you know, we, the, the people we have, we try to retain them. Uh, but unfortunately, things like restaurants and convenience stores, it's a, it's a pretty high turnover rate. So, you know, we wind up working a lot. 
go with a skeleton crew to start with, and when somebody calls out or if we just don't have the bodies, we wind up having to do it in addition to doing all the book work and ordering and all the other things. So. Well, if you're listening out there and you're, uh, you need a job, what better employers could you find than Erica and, and Hayes and, and Ron Fry and, uh, Ron's wife, Linda? A small town community store, you, you're kind of like the hairdresser, right? After, and, and probably Erica, you know this from, from your diner that you, you must know everything that's going on in the community as you overhear conversations. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a, a small world for sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and how does the, like Erica's, are, is, do you rely on, on regulars or you get sort of a mix of transient and regulars? Yeah, we used to, um, kind of the COVID time really changed things for us. Um, we used to be a very regular based diner and we, we still are. Um, but after COVID, I, we, we see, a lot of people kind of traveling, um, more so, more so than before. Um, so we see, I go in now and, and I obviously, as you can hear, have a, have a three year old. Um, and, um, so I go back now and I see a lot of new faces. So it's very nice. It's helped us a lot for sure. I've always said about Erica that we were about 99% locals and about 1% pass through. And that's, that's true to it to a certain extent. I, I'd say probably, Realistically, probably 95% of our business there is repeat business, and we get the occasional people passing through. Yeah, so, yeah. So obviously, you know, uh, we rely on the community very heavily, and we're just we're just so fortunate that uh, that Vermont is just such, you know, full of such good people. You know, we we couldn't ask for a, a, a better better place to live. Yeah, that's awesome. Can can you tell us again how people can donate? I know you're not asking for it, but uh, how can people help you with the Cambridge Market? So um, right on our Facebook page, Cambridge Village Market, um, we try and post daily just giving people an update. Um, but I did pin the posts that have the links in them right on the Facebook page. Um, so instead of trying to give you a bunch of URLs uh, or links or whatever, if they just go to the Facebook page, we, we really keep everyone updated there. Great. And they can get their T-shirt. They can walk in. They can hand you cash. They can do big shopping. Uh, yeah, really. That, that's really what we're looking for. You know, if, if you want to support us, come on in and buy some stuff. Yeah. We, we, we don't want free money, but we would love to have some of your hard-earned money and you go home with some food. Yeah. And that's at all four of our businesses. The, you know, not just at the market, but, you know, um, support at all four of our businesses helps us everywhere. You know, it's keeping yeah. the cash flow is definitely is, is what is going to keep us afloat. Well, we've been talking this morning with Erica Hayes and Ron Fry. Ron and his wife Linda are owners of uh, Cambridge Market that flooded. Uh, we wish you the very best, and you know, I hope to have you back in a in a while for a a positive update about how things are going great for you, because that's what we really hope. If you have us back, I'm sure it will be a positive update. Awesome. Thanks very much. Thank Thank you you. so much, Brad. In decades past, you opened a business, hung out your shingle, and the customers came. Today, hanging out your shingle means creating an engaging website. The modern consumer is using the Internet to find businesses like yours. Are you positioned so you'll rise to the top of their search? 
Let the Radio Vermont Group Digital Services work with you to make sure you're visible online and to target your marketing to location, demographic, and interest. Learn more at rvgdigital.com. Good morning. This is Brad Furlan, your host for Vermont Viewpoint. I'm your Monday host, and we're going to be talking to another host in a, in a little bit. Uh, it was really nice to talk to uh, Erica and to her stepdad, uh, Ron Fry, Cambridge Market owners. They own it for two weeks, and then all of a sudden the rains, the river rise, their whole basement is flooded, and and uh they're you know they're in survival mode they're going to make it i can hear it in their voices but it's not easy so anything you can do to uh help them along the way that'll be great uh and so on the line now we have uh probably needs no introduction pat mcdonald pat when I was carrying your resume up the stairs to the WDEV studio, it just, my back hurt. It was, there, there was so much in it. Not only that, Brad, I forgot two positions I had in state government. I'm reading this thing going, wait a minute. It's just too much for any one person to remember. I know. We, we talked earlier, uh, Greg and I were talking about people who step into phone booths and fly out with, uh, you know, a uniform on and, and you've been doing that your whole life. Yeah, we just keep working, you know. I don't, I have trouble with the word retirement. And thanks for putting my age right in the, the announcement for the show, Brad. Love to talk to you about that. Uh, well, th- there was a Facebook post. I, I, yes, I, th- it was. I put it out. <laughs> I think it was out there. Yeah, no, it was. I don't know why. I kept talking about it. I think the last time I remember thinking about an age was when my cousin turned 40, and I don't know how young I was. And I'm looking at her going, dear God, it's over. You know, 40 years old. What? Why are you even here? And now I'm twice that, so... Right. And, and amazing. And we'll, you know, I can't wait to do the interview when you're a hundred and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll share some pudding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Stomach. Yeah. Uh, so you've had a remarkable career. You came from, uh, out of state to Vermont, uh, back in 88 and really became a fabric of, of the, the, your local community and the greater state, uh, dealing with several governors, dealing with the uh, state government and, uh, and all of that. Was that your, did you have a design on that when you came? Were you thinking I'm going to be part of Vermont state government or what happened? No, I had no clue. I, um, I had never thought about state government and I was working for the merchants bank when I came up here and that in itself is a story, but our attorney um, was called uh, by um, the attorney that we used at Down Rackland and Martin, was called and said, do you know anybody they would like a woman who does human resources? And um, Heather said, yes, Pat McDonald from the Merchants Bank. And next thing I know, I'm interviewing with uh, Dick Snelling, Governor Snelling, and um, the rest is history. I just took it. I just thought, how exciting is that? I was doing human resources at the Merchants Bank, and um thought what a great opportunity i think all of all of my jobs if i may and a little advice to folks i just something comes along i took advantage of it i just did it and and uh, i look back and i go good grief lots of lots of stuff but it's been fun 
So you were commissioner personnel uh, for motor vehicles, and then uh, and that was with Governor Snelling, as you mentioned, and then Governor Dean made you secretary of transportation, which is uh, nope. Actually, that let me just back up a little. It was I worked for Governor Snelling, Governor Dean, and Governor Douglas. Governor Dean actually made me commissioner of motor vehicles, and I served in that for quite a while. Um, and then Governor Douglas appointed me to transportation. Got it. And in between, I did deputy of education, and and I went back to commissioner of human resources um, with Governor Dean at one point. They, um, I was in education, and they asked if I would come back to human resources because they couldn't find anyone. So I said, sure. So bounced around. And what was it like, uh, I mean, Different personalities, for sure. Uh, Governor Snelling and Governor Dean and Governor Douglas, all great, great leaders and sure. uh, great. And you're right, all different. Yeah, but very different. Were, yep. Did you have to adapt a style, or how did that work? Well, I think um, you know they were the governor, so um, what they wanted and said is kind of what you did. You you could argue with them in the in the room with them, and I did. Uh, but the minute you walked outside the room and the door closed, you were on the governor's page and and um, presented what he wanted presented. Um, I, uh, governor Snelling, I think, was I mean his his memory and and the same with Jim Douglas. Their, their memories just amazed me. When they'd be in, um, we'd be sitting around like Governor Snelling in a semicircle when there was a press conference, and he'd point at you and you'd do your thing. You go, you know, personnel is blah, blah, blah. At the time with Governor Selling, we were doing a big downsizing of a couple of hundred positions. So um, what I brought to the table, he had to present to the press. And he would go out there with no notes, no nothing, and would just nail it. And um, and Governor Douglas was very much like that as well. Yeah, and of course. Uh, Governor, Dean, Governor Dean would kind of make mistakes sometimes uh, in the in the press. And um I would too, and and he would never get mad at me. Because uh, Governor Snelling never made mistakes, and if I made one, I'd be he'd be a little annoyed at me. But Governor Dean was great; he was fun to work with. Wow, uh, we have a caller on the line. Oh, uh, I want to uh, welcome Lon to the show. Wow, thank you. I just want to say that Pat McDonald is incredible. She doesn't just fly out of phone booths. She is somebody that actually gets out and about and looks around her and sees things and knows things, and therefore she's amazing in that aspect. Well, thank That's you. all I want to say. She don't she don't just jump out of the phone boat. <laughs> she actually gets out and sees what's going on around her. That's sweet. Thank you. Well, well th- I actually you also. people. I like people in every job I ever had. State employees are amazing. I know there's all kinds of, you know, they don't do this, they don't do that, but they work hard. And what's sad is that we've given a lot of them uh, some inefficient systems to work with, and they do their best. Um, we should try to fix the systems, but that's another story. Um, but they're they're great people. So and you... Working for the governors, you were a, a woman in what could have been considered a man's world at, at times. Uh, yeah. And how did how was your voice? You, you're not a shy person. We know that uh, okay. you're you're a radio personality, and 
so what, what was the background between your, uh, to develop your fortitude to have the confidence for these positions? Well, I, I think that's just who I am. I, I, um, I never thought about it much. I'm more, to tell you the truth, this is terrible. I'm going to get phone calls. I'm more comfortable working with men than sometimes with women because maybe they're not where I'm at as far as, you know, you walk into a room and here you are. Um, and um, I, I enjoy that role. I really do. I enjoy speaking, like you just said, about I've been, you know, presenting to the Sheridan and the big conference rooms, and I, I just enjoy the whole thing. I get a big kick out of, out of it all. And, and, you know, you work hard. These jobs are not uh, for the faint of heart. All of these jobs, the appointed positions, they are 24-7. You know, many vacations. I've had my computer in the in the back of my motorcycle when we've been riding around. Yeah. And, uh, a lot of work. And we know, you know, even in, in recent times with COVID and with uh, now this recent flood, uh, the rains and the flooding, that state government, plays a big role and and we yeah. we rely on that and it, it's it's like the commissioners and the secretary and the governor and the lieutenant governor all of these people play a very important role in that and you were part yeah. of that yes I, I did as a matter of fact i was telling my husband because i'm i'm not necessarily part of it on this this time and i felt like i should be doing doing something um helping doing something so um but then I found out that I really am 80. I went to help somebody uh, dig out mud in their house. Um, I went home not not in such great shape, so I'd have to do a sitting down sort of help these days. We're talking this morning with Pat McDonald. Uh, you all know her uh, recently with uh, as a host of Vermont Viewpoint here twice a week. Uh, she was longtime. Uh, Many, many state positions. And, uh, Pat, as I mentioned, I needed a pack horse to bring your resume up the stairs here at WDEV. And going back, uh, you did, you did a lot of the state government work, but you also, uh, w- were involved with, uh, your own community, uh, the Berlin Select Board and, uh, Berlin Town Center Task Force. Post Office Committee, Capital Budget, Berlin Planning Commission. How many? How many of there are you, Pat? Happened is they always. I was on the select board, and they always wanted somebody from the select board to be on the committees. And I seem to be the only one on the select board. They're kind of raising my hand. So after a while, I think they got sick of me. But I love. I'm back. I I backed off for a while uh, from town, but I'm back on now. I'm on the. Uh, uh, the Berlin Economic Development Committee, and um, I'm glad to be back because I miss I miss that local fix that you get from walking around and knowing people. Yeah, and and how are things in in the Berlin area for economic development? Uh, or- well, we actually have land available. We have um, we have we um, tax wise, we're not uh, up there with the big boys. Um, we have a smaller tax scale, and. Um, you know, it's, and we say all all roads lead to Berlin. When you think about uh, when you're up on the plateau where the hospital is, you can get to Northfield, Barry City, Barry Town, Montpelier. I mean, the interstate, it's all right there. So if you're in our industrial complex um, or just um, like, you know, Blue Cross Blue Shield, the hospital, 
you can you can get there from here, as they say. And um, it's a it's a great place to live. We don't have a town center, and uh, there's a new effort, um, and they're coming very close to actually having a town center up by the Shaw's area in Comfort Inn. And I'm glad about that because if you don't have kids, like my husband and I at, at this age, we do not have kids. I put a gun to my head, but um, you don't. There's no place for you to really meet. Um, people in town and so a town center I, I've always wanted to be involved in that because it's a it's a great uh, place to come and, and visit and, and have meetings and stuff and, and meet your neighbors and you have a uh, rest area or you know a, a gas station rest area kind of place there that it, yep. it, is that serve as sort of a, a local community place or is that really more transient no, that is actually, and it's um, uh, Wayne Lamberton, um, and I think he has a partner on that. It's a it's a joint effort between the state and and Wayne private sector, and it's a, a beautiful place. And apparently, um, we go in and get sandwiches that are already made there. But apparently, they have a heck of a deli there, and um, it's it's a it's a good place to to hang out. People apparently do that, so. Um, um, and we, I sort of hang out at Applebee's sometimes. But, yeah, um, yeah. That's, that's when I was working in, in town, we would go to Applebee's afterwards. But it's, I think the town center is just going to make a big difference in Berlin and make it more, the community more um, um, active and, and thriving where you really get to know people. It's, it's interesting what you say because there really is a lot going on there. And, and I will speak to my own roots. My dad was a berry boy, uh, many long years ago. He was born in 1926, but he built, uh, model plane air, model airplanes. Uh-huh. And he, they were hanging in the airport there from the ceiling, you know, yep. maybe back in the, I don't know, the, the forties or something when he was a kid, they were balsam airplanes that he crafted. So wait, wait. you see a lot of people flying the air, airplanes up by the airport. Um, um, and it's, it's a fun hobby. What a great thing to do. Yeah, I know. It's when I grow up, I want to do that. Uh, so yeah. it's on my bucket <laughs> list. When we all grow up, right? I'm, I'm still working on that. I have to mention in, in Berlin that route 302 got hit badly. And so did route 12 again. Um, and we have one, I think one um, mobile home unit, and I just forget the name. It's on uh, Route 302, right near the, where the world is. It's going to be closing because it's I don't know how many times that thing is that place has been flooded out, and um, there's I think the the owner just sort of had enough. I think from what I hear, yeah, and there are 30, 40 people that are impacted there, and it's closing. So and, you know, housing is is such a um, a struggle here in Vermont. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, they're struggling finding places to live. Are there some local community efforts for fundraising that you know of? Uh, actually, uh, I actually have a meeting with uh, the act. We have an acting town manager, Tour Nelson, who's got an excellent background um, in emergency management, which I'm I, I'm sure that our our former town administrator had that as well. But Tour, I know, has got the background to, to lead the town through all this, and um, I'm meeting with him when we come back to Vermont in a week or two to, you know, to get... There are a lot of fundraisers. Churches are doing it. Um, 
Um, and people need help. There are a lot of people on Route 12, I'm very sure, that have lost their homes. Um, and I understand that um, I'm having tomorrow on the show the gentleman from SBA is going to be talking about um, the grants, which is a good word as opposed to loans, but grants and loans that they have available uh, for individuals, renters, which is a very important word, and um, businesses. So that's on tomorrow's show. Oh, well, that'll be great to hear. And, um, we're hoping for Vermonters that the money comes through quicker than, you know, sooner than later. Cause yeah. when we were and talking to. So much, so much mud, Brad. I, I, I've been in a couple of these floods and I know I was in 1970. I can't remember. That's not right. 1990. Whenever we had a, a big flood in Montpelier and, uh, I'm, Doc, uh, Governor Dean told me to get everybody in town, so I'm in my office calling everybody. And finally, the firemen had enough of me because they I wouldn't come out of the building, and they they literally dragged me out. And the water, the good thing they did it when they did, because I'd still be there. Um, the water was was rising high. It was pretty scary. Amazing. Uh, we're talking with Pat McDonald, the host of Vermont Viewpoint here at WDEV. If you want to join the call, uh, join the conversation, 802-244-1777. If you're a member of the Pat McDonald fan club, which we all are, uh, <laughs> give us a call and, uh, and chime in. Um, so Pat, you did a, a a stent for a couple terms in the Vermont House as well. Uh, and what, what was that experience like? I, well, I, I loved the legislature. Um, it's lost a little bit of its ability to compromise um, these last few years, especially this last year. But when I was there, um, it was the art of the compromise that ruled the day. And I had, um, and it didn't matter whether you had Republican friends or Democratic friends. Most of my friends actually uh, were, were Democrats. I hung out with this uh, group of uh, of ladies and uh, went to dinner and and um, uh, and hung out with them. Um, I was in um, House Education under Janet Ansel for a while, and then um, after Cole Hudson passed away, and GovOps, if you remember. That um, I took his place in GovOps, which is a little more of what I was used to, because GovOps takes care of state government, and and I knew that much better than than I did on education. Although I, you learn quickly once you're in those committees, but it was it's just it seems to me maybe I'm wrong, but it's it's just a little different these days. It's sort of my way or the highway sort of approach, and I uh, I'm sorry for that. Well, you penned uh, a piece back in 2018, Politicians Should Set Aside Politics. And mm -hmm. you remind me of uh, uh, Governor Salmon, who I uh, became acquainted with uh, in, in w working with Vermont Yankee for almost a decade or more. Governor Salmon mm -hmm. was from that area and was a real supporter of of nuclear power and baseload power and uh he he would say exactly what you're saying he he uh that they would disagree the democrats and the republicans in his day but it when push came to shove at the end of the day they'd set aside their differences and and try to do what was right for vermonters well, I, I really believe that every legislator wakes up in the morning trying to do what he or she believes is the best for Vermont. 
But there's always different ways to do everything if you stop and think about it. And um, if somebody's truly objecting to something, if you just sit down and use the old noodle, you'll come up with um, a way that um, that makes everybody maybe not thrilled, but comfortable with what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and I know for a fact that a couple of legislators left. They told me they left because we have lost the art of compromise and they weren't so comfortable in the my way or the highway approach. And uh, you're a lobbyist as well, uh, yeah. one of your hats. Um, there's certainly a lot of lobbying happens in Montpelier. And legislators I talk to say that they they get provided a lot of useful information from lobbyists. But is there also a, a downside to that in terms of just how government operates? Well, there's, uh, of course, fortunately, I am so thrilled that, that I'm not thrilled that COVID happened, but I'm thrilled that they use Zoom and they're keeping it because it's so uh, gratifying to look at the number of people that are watching a legislative committee. And and before Zoom, you were going maybe eight or ten people from the from the from Vermont public um, would be in the committee watching, and now you've got forty five fifty people watching a committee and. Sadly, you can't comment unless you uh, prearrange it with the um, with the woman, or the man who's supporting the committee. <clears throat> but it's it's a great. I love it, and um, it's a lot of time if you're if you're covering an issue. I work for Campaign for Vermont, um, nonpartisan um, nonprofit, and um, we don't we don't deal with any social issues. But we did get named as one of the top three. Um, Political um, sources um, on our, for our website for information, which which I thought was fabulous. It sort of made all the work uh, worth it. Well, that is uh, a great accolade uh, campaign yep. for Vermont. We're talking this morning with Pat McDonald, who has long time served in state government in some uh, difficult roles: uh, Secretary of Transportation. Uh, Commissioner of Human Resource, uh, Labor. Uh, you did a merger um, right. with Employment and Training and Department of Labor and Industry. That must have been qu- quite an endeavor to bring those two entities together. But you know what? It it went so smoothly, and I don't think I don't think people remember that the Department of Labor was two different departments at one time. We just sort of did it. Um, Governor asked me to. Um, to do it, and I was in transportation, but they asked me would I take this project on, and I thought, oh, sure, let's do it. So I worked with the legislature, and they, if for some reason, they didn't make a big deal about it. They they wrote a paragraph in statute that said by January such and such, uh, these two departments will be merged and will be called the Department of Labor, end of story. And there wasn't any, you have to do this and you have to do that. They just let us do our thing, and um, the staff was incredible. Um, they um, accepted what was happening. We, we spent a lot of time talking to staff, letting them know what was going on. And now it's the Department of Labor. And that was under which governor? Um, my mind just went blank. Yeah, so oh, either Douglas, Snelling Douglas, or Douglas, maybe Snelling <laughs> or Dean or something. Yeah, but it was for an efficiency, obviously, and you achieved yes. it. And the fact that it went quietly speaks to your uh, your ability to 
to do these things well. Uh, Pat is without doubt in my mind one of the most organized uh people that i've met i've been interviewed by her the uh you are just so thorough about your research and on topics and which is really time consuming pat and um what's where where did you learn that in life to be as organized as you are Oh, that's a great story, actually. Um, uh, I don't know if my sister's listening, but if I said my dad, he was a time study expert. And um, that's where we learned it. When we did our homework, we had a list that you had to check off, you know, uh, get water, sharpen the pencils, get everything ready. So when you sat down to do your homework, um, you would do your homework. And everything was like that with my dad. He he had a fold-out um, graph paper that he had planned money-wise. Every week he'd get his salary and he would block in, um, you know, a, back then, and like $2 was a lot, $2 for vacation. And, and that's what he did and that's what we learned um, how to do it. And I've, it's held me in good stead. And I used to have a banner on my computer that read and it, one of those circular things that kind of went around It said, wherever you are, be there. Mm. And that helped me in my mind. That not try, I try not to make it wander and do all sorts of things. Wherever you are, be there, especially if, like, employees would come in and I'd be busy and I'd, nope, the employees in the office pay attention. And um, it helped. Yeah, yeah. Well, it certainly lent itself to being um, a great host and interviewer, which we'll get to your your TV show in a, in a minute or two. So, was your dad um, strict? Was he? Uh, I love the the whole, and I've had a lot of guests here over over the last year who, you know, the apple didn't fall far far from the tree with with good attributes, and it sounds like that's what your dad was. I think. He wasn't strict so much as high expectations and was disappointed if we didn't quite reach that those expectations. And you didn't want to disappoint him. Yeah, yeah. So he wasn't strict in, in that kind of sense. Um, I think Mom was more the disciplinarian than my dad, but um, he just didn't want to disappoint him. And your mom a strong woman like you are? Uh, yep. Yes, she is. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, she is. She moved here to. Uh, she has a lot of friends here. Uh, had a lot of friends here in the in Vermont because we encouraged her after my dad passed away to move up here when she was quote young. She died at ninety three, but when she was young enough to make friends, um, so that as you got older and perhaps not able to get around as much, you had a, a, a group of friends around you. So. Um, she enjoyed it here very much and volunteered at the library. They all knew Ursula Zeller. They just knew her, and she won an award for her volunteering. Wow. She, yeah, she made the community hers. Yeah, well, you both did. I mean, it's I hear stories of you know people who come to Vermont from other places, and there's a little bit of an angst sometimes mm-hmm. about feeling accepted or not, but... You you didn't even allow for whether you were accepted or not. You just you just went right at it, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, just did it. Did yeah. your thing. Uh, we have Forbes uh, from Corinth on the line. Uh, good morning to you, Forbes. Hi, good Forbes. morning. How are you? Doing well. How about yourself? Comments from the peanut gallery. 
Um, you know, when you can walk away from your radio, um, like at my home or many others, and have learned something uh, from your presentations, I think that's a, a real positive note. So hats off to uh, both of you or anyone that participates in this, whether it's through programming with W. DEV, but uh, we do appreciate it, and the amount of information that you bring forward is is always welcome. That's great. Thank you, folks. I know you've called the show once or twice, and I appreciate that. Yeah, and we appreciate your input too, Forbes. So thank thank you for your comments on that. And uh, it's interesting. Radio. Uh, we know that the newspaper industry is struggling a little bit, but. We really feel like radio is such a part of the community, and, and callers like you, Forbes, are are part of radio, so we appreciate you. Well, you're our link. That's great. Great. It's hard to know what Thank to you. put on, though, Brad, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, our minds wander a little bit, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, when I get myself into trouble is when I talk um, politics. I have to be I have to be more careful. This last year on a couple of bills, I got very disappointed in what the legislature did and and how they did it and i i have to get over myself well we're you know we're all part of the fabric and and i think that we have to voice you know when we can and it's it's like you said earlier pat and and like i so respected uh uh governor salmon in that you know, let's do this together. Let's look for positive results and positive achievements like we're seeing in the, in the, uh, aftermath of a flood that people have this goodness about them and, uh, helping is, is a lot better than, uh, throwing criticism at things. And, and you've been, you've been great at that. My first story about the legislature, about uh, Democrats and Republicans, as I said, I, I hung out with Jeanette White, with uh, Donna Sweeney, um, uh, just a couple, Alice Emmons, and that was sort of the group I hung out with. And we got on the floor, and they all voted yes on something, and I voted no. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, they're not even going to talk to me, because I, I never had never been in that position. And I got off the floor, and they just, it was like nothing happened. Um and they didn't care, and well, I'm sure they cared, but they didn't let me know they cared. And it was wonderful, and we all had lunch, and there you go. Yeah, that's the way it should be. Why not? That is the way it should be. Uh, you've been involved with Campaign for Vermont, uh, an entity that um, really is about information giving uh, and and keeping sort of tabs on these types of things. Can you tell us more about that? Well, I. I um, um, Ben Kinsley uh, is one of the lead people on the board, and uh, he's um, a policy wonk. He's just amazing. Every, everything that comes up, he knows all about it. And I enjoy working with him, and we have a very good board. Um, we cover specific things. Nothing, um, we've made the decision not to cover social issues, um, but to cover, you know, the nuts and bolts of um, education, uh, finances. Um, you know, housing is a big issue this year. And um, we've covered those um, those kind of issues, and I've enjoyed it so much with the back and forth reviewing drafts. And I, on this job, I don't know. I love talking to the people, but I really, I truly love the research. You find out the darndest things, and and people are wonderful. They've got things that they don't talk about, but are very important. And um, 
you know, I just, I love it. I, I think Steve would, I keep bugging Steve, so you have to stop that. But um, it's good for him, don't you think? Yeah. Uh, so Vote for yeah. Vermont, you, you have, you've been doing a show with Ben Kinsley mm-hmm. uh, hosting uh, I've been a guest of yours um, a few times over the years on on issues like school choice, which I'm passionate about, and yeah. and, and other things. Uh, and you recently were um, given an award, I, ge- I guess. Um, what was that? Uh, that that was well. First of all, I, I when I was running for the Senate, I did a couple of uh, spots on on or in Orca. You know the the two minute uh, talking head thing, and um, they liked that I was comfortable in front of the camera, and they approached me and said, "Do you want to do a show?" So um, I said, "Sure," and um, I, that's when I started. It was about seven eight years ago, maybe even longer. Um, yeah, it could have been ten years by now. And I started doing it by myself, um, but then I got involved working with Campaign for Vermont, and they have they have a lot of. Um, uh, access socialist social media access that i didn't have and um we i started working with them um that was uh, people associate uh, bruce lisman in the beginning was a, a campaign for vermont and um but he now doesn't isn't involved with with um what we do he likes what we do but he's he doesn't get involved in the in the decision making and all that stuff um but um uh, it's just it's a, it's a very strong organization and and well respected in the legislature. Um, we've been asked to testify on a lot of things and our our um, op eds and those kind of things get to get good attention. So it's um it's a very good um, organization to be involved in. Yeah, I'm talk, talking with Pat McDonald this morning, uh, longtime state government. Uh, in in the uh, several governors' administration, which shows that she was valued and uh, you know retained and and did a lot for Vermont. She's a host here on Vermont Viewpoint WDEV. I just want to ask you a little bit about some of the if you can highlight some of the guests you've had um, over over the years that really like overwhelmed you and and. Uh, brought information to to Vermonters about uh, specific subjects. Well, mostly of vote for Vermont was was political um, uh, in nature. I mean, I brought on a lot of legislators and uh, followed um, bills similar to what we do now in campaign for Vermont. And so I I had you know the uh, governor, um, I had um, lieutenant governors, uh, lieutenant governor Zuckerman, governor uh, Scott on the show. Um, and we had um, uh, Matt Coda. There were some that I would always invite back, Matt Coda from the Fuel Dealers Association, and now he also represents the uh, Vermont Automobile Dealers Association. And there were some that I, uh, Dave Kelly, um, uh, that I always just had, they had such a broad knowledge of, of lots of stuff, so I would rely on them. But I think, and I tried very hard, Mary Beersworth, um, uh, two of my favorite people of all time are Sue Mittner and, um, um, uh, oh, my God, she's going to kill me. I just forgot her name. This is, that's the 80-year-old thing. Um, uh, you, Vermont. you had mentioned Mary. Uh, yeah, Mary Beersworth, but Mary um, Mary Moulton. Oh, sorry, Mary, I love her so much. The two of them, they were they were on the show, on my radio show a while ago, and they came into the studio 
And I told my husband we were in Maine. I said, i got to go back for this. I have to be in the studio with those two because I just admire them. They, they are two women that I totally admire. And their energy, and they live what they what they preach. I mean, they they live for their for their uh, people that they serve. And, and you uh, you do walk the walk because you you've just mentioned individuals who are diametrically different political parties. Yet oh, for sure. it was it was informational. And, yeah. and did you feel like you? Weighed in politically, or did you try to stay in the neutral zone, or how, how did you handle that balance? There, there are a couple of topics, and I added one this year that I just can't keep my mouth shut. But <laughs> most times, 98% of the time, I can be very um, neutral. And as a matter of fact, I remember um, uh, one of the legislators used to tease me all the time because he said, you sound like you agree with everything. I said, well, I just say, oh, okay, that's interesting. And... Um, uh, I try to keep it very neutral, but there are a couple of topics that would get me going. And, um, and so, I, actually, I told I had the head of the Democratic Party on uh, one time, and I said to him, we will have a great show as long as you don't mention these two topics. If you don't mention them, we're good. Because <laughs> once you mention them, just watch out. <laughs> so he laughed, and he did, and then we had a great show, and I, I actually learned some things. I do listen. And um, learn some things. Um, people don't listen anymore, do they, Brad? They, if you just listen to the other side, and I think if you can explain why you do or don't like something with some logic, that the other person um, won't be quite so volatile or back that they understand you've got a reason and you can explain it. And um, I think that's what we need to do is chat, talk to each other. Well, I experienced that uh uh, Asher Crisp, who you know, and Charlie Papillo and I did, uh, travels with Charlie. We did 40 video episodes and we would bring, um, two guests on for each show that were really diametrically opposed. Yeah. And what we found, what, you know, uh, was people could agree, you know, if, if they weren't coming at each other, as Asher would say, if they don't come at each other with a bayonet, if they come at each other with a bouquet, mm-hmm. then you can have a civil discussion and you can actually, um, you know, impact some positive change. And, and you've certainly been a big part of that. Well, we used to say the best bill is the third bill, your bill, my bill, and the compromise bill. And... Sadly, we've lost that third bill. I don't know where it went off to, but it's gone now. Well, we will both advocate for for more of that. And and I will say last night at about 10 o'clock, I uh, sent an email to Governor Douglas and Hmm. asked if he would um, be interested in calling because I think he's a big fan of yours today. And he's... You know, I got an email back last night at at 10:15 at night from him and he said he was in a, you know, a bank meeting all morning long and wouldn't be able to call but sent his best to you and and this is Vermont, you know, a, a former governor at 10:15 is uh, you know, emailing back little old Brad. So I think it's quite amazing. I used to work for I worked 20 20 25 years before I came to Vermont in the private sector. I worked for um, Seba Geigy Corporation, which is now Novartis. I worked for Elizabeth Arden in New York City on Fifth Avenue, and Miss Arden was alive and well. And but at Seba Geigy, when we go to Albany, 
we had to, they told us what to dress, they prepared us uh, what, you know, what to say, what to do, and it was like a, um, I don't know, it was like we were little robots going up to Albany. Here in Vermont, you can just say hi and explain your problem to the legislator, and um, uh, the first legislator, legislator I met back in 1988 when I was uh, first starting it was Bill Doyle. Mm. And, um, Senator Doyle just took me under his wing, as he has many people, and um, it was just amazing to me. And you can just go and talk to him anytime you want. And um, I had um, I had prepared my very first speech. I was going up with people from AIV, Associated Industries of Vermont, to talk about plant closings. And I was um, I had a prepared speech, and I sat down at the table and I looked around. And I went, I'm not doing this prepared to myself. I didn't say it out loud. I'm not doing this prepared speech because this isn't what this committee's about. I went, hi, I'm Pat McDonald, and just started talking, and it worked very well because it's not planned or scripted. It's just Vermonters. Yeah, from the heart. Uh, it's quite amazing, um, and I'm thinking this is a 1941. Uh, I wasn't quite born, but 1941, uh, there was a show, uh, This Is Your Life with Ralph Edwards, okay. and I'm thinking this is your life, uh, Pat McDonald, and we'll segue a little bit to uh, when I was uh, first came up to Franklin County to live back in the 80s. I started working for Nate's Clothing Store, which had locations in Montpelier and and in St. Albans and Burlington and St. Johnsbury. And there was a guy by the name of Charlie McFeeders who turned 70. He was a clerk there that I he was just an amazing guy and he turned 70 and I said, Charlie, you just, you turned 70. You must really know it all now and have figured out. And he goes, after a long pause, he goes, you just commenced to wondering what it's all about. Uh, And so you had a birthday. Uh, you've got a lot of life under your belt. You probably, you could be a writer as well as, uh, you know, Everything else you do, what are some of some of the things you've learned that are important to share uh, with our radio listeners? I think we actually discussed it. Um, people are wonderful, and if you give them the chance, you'll find out how wonderful they really are. You have to learn to listen and uh, be respectful. And um, like when I do this job, I mean the, the research on, on people are just amazing, and you don't know these little things about them. Um, like you, you write the most beautiful poetry. I just love it. And you have the animals, and you, you teach your children how to love the animals and, and respect them and take care of them. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily know that's what you—that's part of your life because you may not talk about it so much. And um, I think people just—you know—you have to also learn how to cook and eat really well. I like eating, but that's another story. Except um, garlic. Except you told me. Yet. Don't bring that. that is, I, am, I, am that I am so allergic to garlic. I'm going to have a guy on my show in a couple of weeks. He's a garlic expert. He wrote an article in the world about garlic, and I told, I told him, I said, listen, I'm allergic to garlic, so this may be a challenge for you. But he said he'd come on the show anyway. And um, I'm very excited to talk about my least favorite subject, which is garlic. 
Well, it's funny because uh, sheep, as you mentioned, my daughter and I have 10 sheep, uh, fin, fin sheep, which we absolutely love. And sheep have uh, stomach problems from time to time, I think dietary stuff. And uh, garlic, natural garlic um, with a syringe and water is what I put into their mouth and our sheep Mansfield, he just, he loves garlic. I think he's an Italian fin sheep or something. And, uh, and. Well, it is supposed to be medicinal. It just sends me to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have, I don't, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that because us, us garlic lovers, um, we're talking with Pat McDonald. Um, you've, you've had, you have so many hats, like you said, and, uh, you had a birthday. Uh, you're doing a show two two days a week. Uh, you're still doing the Orca, or have you stopped doing that? No, we we will pick it up in September. In September, uh, and Ben and I, from time to time, do a, uh, a a a show. We call it the Banter and Beans, uh, where he and I talk about legislation and um, just sort of talk like we're doing now in the summertime and try to cover um, some uh, summer committees because. The legislature has not gone home, and I don't think people realize that they're busy working. And um, there's quite a few uh, committees this year that are meeting on pretty serious issues So uh, to get ready for uh, January. So we just do this banter and beans thing, which is um, we have a great logo, and um, that's fun. I just like like this media. I just love it. Yeah, and and you get away to Maine once in a while. Right. Yeah, we are right near Kenny Bunkport. We have, a, I guess they call it a park model. We used to camp. I mean, we used to have a, a big 40-foot RV and, and go mostly to Gettysburg, which is if I truly wanted to move somewhere, that's where I would move. I love Gettysburg. Well, it's been a wonderful hour with you, thank Pat, you. and I thank you for everything you've done for Vermont. We all do. Uh, you're just a, a an amazing woman and um, amazing host of... Vermont Viewpoint, and uh, you keep uh, politics in check for people, and that's that's a wonderful thing. So thanks for being my guest. Thank you very much for asking. It was a real pleasure. Thanks, Brad. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, this is Brad Furlan, Vermont Viewpoint. Remember, there are two full moons in August, uh, the Sturgeon Supermoon and a Blue Supermoon, and I, I have the Blue Moon Farm, so these are important to me, and uh we look forward to, uh, uh, you know, recovery in Vermont, getting, uh, you know, past the rain, getting our businesses back in check, uh, help your local businesses, uh, shop and, and help them out. And, uh, we will, uh, see you next week on Vermont Viewpoint at WDEV.